me, Roz Dresfelez. I am uh, doing pretty well. However, I'm not going to lie, I don't feel great because I just got the second vaccine. And um, yeah, people warn me that it, uh, there's a, a possibility that you could have some side effects. Um, and uh, I certainly did, to say the least. Though, you know, I don't want to get into it too much because... I'd hate to discourage anyone from getting it. Oh my God, if you are able to, and when you're able to, please get you a vaccine uh, or two vaccines even. And um, yeah, I'm just kind of going through it a little bit, but very happy I was able to do that. And it will all be worth it. And before I know it, I'll be ghost hunting and performing on stages and maybe even back in the studio with guests talking about ghosts. So also another reason to be really excited is because we have got Butch Patrick on the show today. Now this is huge for me. Okay. Butch Patrick played Eddie Munster on the TV show, The Munsters. You better believe he was very excited to talk about the monsters, which I so appreciate. He's just such a nice man and, you know, doesn't know me and was kind enough to give me a half hour to talk. And so we, we talked and, and we had a great time. And so, yeah, it's a little, little bit shorter of a conversation than we usually do. So I'll talk a little bit more than I usually do at the top of the show. And then at the, at the end, because we talk about a couple of places and I did a little bit more research. And, and so I'll talk about that on the other side of my conversation with uh, Butch. I also wanted to read a ghost story I found it in the Facebook group, which, of course, is called Ghosted by Roz Dresfelez. And this story right here came from Tabitha. Tabitha, thank you for sharing. Tabitha writes, My family was quite large and working class. Our idea of vacation was going en masse to stay with other members of the family. One such holiday saw all of us descending on my aunt and uncle and their four children who lived in a huge Victorian house in northwestern Missouri. There must have been 17 of us staying there, so rooms and beds were shared. Oh my god, it's a lot of people in a house. I wound up sharing with my cousin, who was about six. I was ten. This aunt's house was dot 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 weird several of the rooms were the only rooms on their floor oh interesting some were just off the landings some were no more than glorified closets we found ourselves in one of the landing rooms two little twin beds really close and no windows Okay, this is already creepy. We crashed fairly early, and nothing strange had happened. Okay, but I have a feeling there's going to be more to the story. And then, no idea what time it was, as there were no windows and no clocks. Oh, right. My cousin was in my bed. I thought, poor kid had a nightmare or some such. Then he started squeezing my leg. Pinching, really. I rolled over to tell him off, and his eyes were huge. I looked where he was looking, and I wish I hadn't. 
there was a weirdly misty yet detailed woman floating over the foot of my bed. Hair in her face, feet, if they were real, barely brushing the bed covers. Her body was swaying slightly, but her head was stationary. As if she were hung by the neck. I hugged my cousin to me and shut my eyes very tight. When I opened my eyes again, the woman was gone. We never spoke about what happened to anyone, but the next night we both fell asleep on the sofa. My aunt moved a few months after that, and her new house was decidedly less creepy. <sighs> okay. Why do I ask for you? It, the, the thing that's the most crazy about this is that I literally ask you kind, wonderful people to send me this stuff. And then the moment I get it, I'm like, what am I doing to myself? I don't... This is so scary. I mean, Tabitha, that's a great story. <laughs> Thank you. I just have to... Uh, I have to sleep in a bed after hearing this. But I'm very happy to hear that shutting your eyes very tightly and then opening them worked and she was indeed gone. <sighs> okay, Tabitha, thank you for sending that. And if you have a ghost story you'd like me to read on the show, please send it, uh, you know, in the Facebook group, Ghosted by Roz Dresvales. Or in a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's, that's a good place too. Another thing that caught my attention was I saw this article that was actually originally posted by Fox 17, which is the Fox affiliate in West Michigan, where I'm from, of all places. And it's an article that's about UFO sightings in 2020 and why they were up so much. And one thing that I was like, okay, I don't even know that I thought about this, but it does, it, it opens the article by talking about like, you know, maybe it's because people had more time during the pandemic. So they were looking up into the sky, but then it, it said, maybe it had to do with the fact that there's less pollution in the sky because of last year. And so there's more visibility. So, so basically Maybe there's UFOs all the time. It's just people can't see it because there's pollution. I mean, I live in Los Angeles where there's smog everywhere. So there could just be UFOs up there in the smog this whole time. I don't like that. It says, according to the National UFO Reporting Center, sightings increased by 1,000 this year nationally with 7,200 total calls about ufos calls to the hotline in new york state alone doubled in 2020 and then they talked to uh, a man named bill in michigan who works for uh, the mutual ufo network mufon and um bill says that about a third of the calls to their branch turned out to be SpaceX Starlink satellites, which launched into near orbit to improve internet connection worldwide. The satellites take on eerie formations when visible. Oh, and there's a video of it too. It says they look real spooky when you see them. So that's interesting. So that's one of the reasons those have been debunked. They're not UFOs. It's just some... Elon Muskery in the sky. Okay. And then, of course, it talks about how uh, the, the Pentagon investigation, which was announced last summer, the Department of Defense also recently commented on a series of declassified videos. Yes, of course, the Navy pilot videos. And um, so that kind of raised the interest a bit. And it says that the Pentagon report is reportedly due out sometime next month. So 
we'll look out for that. Which another thing about UFOs actually that I heard about is that Demi Lovato is apparently going to be doing a show where she's going to be looking for UFOs, which we've already talked about on this show. Demi Lovato is, she's a paranormal queen and truly a, a, a dream guest. I would love to talk to one day about all of her experiences. And so look out for that, all you UFO heads and Demi stands. Okay, so let's get into this conversation that I had with Butch Patrick from the Monsters. And again, at the end of the episode, I'll I'll talk about some more historical stuff. And um, as always on Patreon, you can find bonus clips. And from this week, we do that thing where I ask about unexplained phenomena. And uh, one of the things I asked Butch about is this internet rumor that I may have talked about on this podcast, or maybe it was when I was doing stereo. I can't remember, but I've definitely talked about it because it's something that's been on my mind, which is that there's rumors of a Monsters movie coming out that's directed by Rob Zombie and... I guess maybe Cassandra Peterson might be involved. I mean, it sounds like a rumor. Um, Doesn't seem like it's been confirmed from what I read. But then I asked Butch about it. And so Butch clears that up. So that's part of uh, a little bit of a clip that you can find on Patreon, patreon.com slash rosdresvelez. And then also this week, I did a video where I went to Pasadena and looked at some allegedly famous haunted locations, and even a very iconic horror location from the movie Halloween. So um, go check that out, patreon.com slash And um, yeah, and just a reminder, uh, if you didn't hear like a couple weeks ago, I... I got to meet Butch Patrick. That's how this all started. I went to this place called the Valley Relics Museum. I made a video. I put it on Patreon as well. And I got to meet Butch Patrick. He was signing autographs. He had his amazing Munster coach with him, which he drives to these events. And it's so cool. And he was a very nice person. And he was nice enough to do this. So you'll hear so here it is. Okay, 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 I'll stop talking. Here is my conversation with Butch Patrick. On with the show. I am so honored today. I am joined by a true Hollywood legend, Butch Patrick. Hello, how are you? I am wonderful. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh my God, thank you so much for doing it. And thanks for fitting me in. I mean, you're on the road. What, what have you got going on right now? Well, I'm out scouting theaters to host my Munsters and Merlin magic show. We have a, um, we have a feature, Munster Go Home, of course, from the old days that's been Blu-ray mixed where Rob Zombie and myself did the commentary for it last year. But unfortunately, it never came out because of covid so now I decided to help theater owners around the country and bring people back out by having a Monsters and Magic evening. And I was out looking at a theater here on Route 66, a beautiful old Wurlitzer Organ Theater, one of the 22 in the country. Beautiful property. And then um, I'm also doing a, uh, a car show here in Tulsa. Uh, Daryl Starbird, an old legendary car builder, an old friend of mine, uh, because I grew up with George Barris, who did the Monster Coach and the Dragula. So the country, I always have a good time seeing interesting pieces of Americana and uh, going out and meeting some fans like yourself. Yes, I was so excited to meet you. I've been a Munster fan my whole life. I was raised on the Munsters. Um, and, you know, it's like it's crazy because they're they still are like hip, you know, it's like <laughs> I go to so many horror conventions and so many spooky stores and there's still so much monster merch and the fandom is still very much alive why do you it's think a, uh why do you think they've stood the test of time 
Well, there's a couple of reasons, and it, it's an interesting thing. It's, it was almost like a perfect storm situation that had to occur because it's very, very unusual for a show of only two years, 55 years ago, to be um, as popular as it is today. When you consider how many thousands and thousands and thousands of shows have been made and, and fell by the wayside. But to answer your question, two things. Number one. It was the 60s and the, and the period, people remember the 60s very fondly. And they all have, if you weren't born in the 60s, you remember them because people have been listening to the music and watching the reruns of this or that. But if you were old enough like myself to be having lived through the 60s, it brings back childhood memories that can never be replaced. And unfortunately, kids today will never know what it was like. So you have a lot of the family values of, of olden days back in the 60s that, that, that resonates today. And you have multi-generational, like my, my, for, instance, for instance, my book that called Munster Memories is based upon people coming to the table and sharing their fond memories that they had with someone in their family that they shared watching the show with. And it could be their grandparents or their uncle or whatever, but they always have a fond memory of the Munsters being part of their family. I also think that there's um, there's this thing, and I've talked about this with Elvira, um, about people that feel like an outsider, really, really uh, connecting to those characters. And I think that that's a, that's a huge part of it as well. Have you noticed that from, from meeting fans? Yes. Well, another thing is also, when you look at the hit shows from the mid-60s, it was a very interesting time for TV writers and comedians and stuff, because anything could go. Very popular shows, Bewitched, about the witches, I Dream of Genie about genies, uh, My Favorite Martian. Um, there was just shows that were very, very popular that had nothing to do with reality that were just fun entertainment for entertainment's sake. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, when you think about, like, the cultural climate of that time, th there's that clip that still goes around uh the one where herman's talking to you and he talks about uh, i think it's from the one where you grow a beard and and he says you yeah. know it's more about the size of your heart and the strength of your character and i mean that clip still goes around you know uh and it's it's a very relevant conversation that's just human I nature the lesson i want you to learn is it doesn't matter what you look like you can be tall or short or fat or thin or ugly or handsome, like your father. <laughs> uh, you can be black or yellow or white. It doesn't matter. What does matter is the size of your heart and the strength of your character. Yeah, I had someone reach out to me about that clip, and it's you know it is timeless. But it was funny because it had like 90 million views recently because of all the you know. You know, stuff going on in the real world around us and someone had just pulled it out and the, the, like the, to them it was new and they found out that it wasn't new at all it'd been around for so long and yes it resonates very well today and that's why and that's one of the reasons why the show does so well too it's got it's got basic family values and it's always entertaining and it's it's old traditional stuff but because it's the monsters and grandpa's magic and his the things that they could write into the scripts because of uh, you know him being a mad scientist and Herman and stuff made it funny. What would have normally been an everyday occurrence becomes suddenly becomes very entertaining and spooky, which I love and so much. <laughs> well, yeah, wait, I have one more question about the monsters um, because when you talk about Monster Go Home, which I definitely uh, have seen, I love that movie, and it's it's in Technicolor and the 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 TV show is in black and white. I guess what I'm wondering is the way it looked in the movie in color, is that how it looked in person or was it changed for color? They, they upped the ante a tad for the movie. They did make the colors a little more brighter on everybody's faces. Uh, you know, it was like, if you were a five, they made you a seven in, you know, in intensity of color. Um, my suit used to be gray in the TV show. They made it purple for the movie. Um, we went with a redhead Marilyn as opposed to the traditional blonde because they wanted to uh, bring uh, Debbie Watson into the mix because she was had a new TV show at Universal they were promoting. So, yeah, across the board, it was a little bit more intense color for the uh, for the release. But the series, the show itself was a very gray set. I mean, we had the, the couch was a very, you know, sort of a 
olive drab gray. The, the, the walls were dark and gray and then the cobwebs and everything. So, yes, they definitely um, kicked it up a gear for color. Well, can we talk about ghosts? Sure. So yes. when I got, when I got to meet you, I think it came up because I had a ghost on, and um, who was who was that with you? Was that your uh, wife that was my or your your sister? Oh, okay. At the show, yeah, that was yeah, my sister. Yeah. She had brought up uh, my ghost, and then we started talking about ghosts, and then uh, and uh, and then you happened to have all these videos of ghosts. Uh, I want to know right. what the story is with that. I'll tell you the story. My grandmother, uh, my sister, my, Michelle and myself, we were very close to our grandmother and my grandmother bought a house in, in Macon, Missouri, a little town in North Central Missouri for all her antiques. And I was doing the Munsters. I was living with her in Illinois. But when I went to California to do the Munsters, she had moved from her little place in Illinois to a big place in Missouri. So Michelle was with her. So I always kept an eye on the house over the years and I found out it was going to be demolished. And it had been vacant for eight years. A friend of mine from uh, from Macon, because I lived there in the eighth grade in that house. So I had always kept an eye on it. And when I found out it was going to be demolished, I took it upon myself to buy it, to save it from the wrecking ball and grandma's memory. Well, as I was leaving to take ownership of the house, my sister says, say hi to Miss, uh, the Miss Ruby. I go, who the hell is Miss Ruby? And he goes, she goes, that's the ghost. That's that's the resident ghost. You didn't know the house was haunted? And I go, No. <laughs> and she goes, how could you not know the ghosts? The ghosts were everywhere. I was always talking to the ghosts. Did, did grandma, didn't you notice how grandma wouldn't let us go in the basement? I go, no, I was always out with grandpa, you know, fishing or riding my bike with my friends. I didn't hang around the house that much. So anyway, as I was leaving, she told me about the ghost situation. So as I arrived in Missouri, the people that were helping me, you know, clean the house and, and, and move stuff out of the house, they all had ghost stories. It was common knowledge in town that everybody knew the house. They'd seen the ghosts in the windows. They heard them, laughter, footsteps. It was all common knowledge that the house was very haunted, unbeknownst to me. So I had a paranormal team in St. Louis, a friend of mine named Vicki Main and Michael Lynch, who have a company called Paravision out of St. Louis that I had met at a paranormal convention. I asked them, could you please come over to Macon and let me know what's going on with my house? They agreed, of course. I was thinking about doing a TV show because I thought if I could prove the house was haunted, a friend of mine in Hollywood said, you've got a gold show because it was I, the elevator pitch was Eddie Munster meets Andy of Mayberry in the Twilight Zone, which is the town being Mayberry, me being Eddie Munster and the house with the ghost being the Twilight Zone. So um, they came and did a sweep on the house and we found like 20 or 30 different entities living in the house. What? And we, we had to clear them all out. Because it had been it had been blocked up for eight years and it, it hadn't been lived in for eight years and a lot of them took residency there because it was built on a vortex. So after we opened the doors and they all went running up into the basement. I mean, they were in the basement. They all went running up into the attic. Um, I think I showed you that video of all the orbs, didn't I? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So anyway, I, she says, "Was this house built on a cemetery?" I said, "No, I doubt that. There's a cemetery really close by." But one thing led to another. And we figured out that it was in a vortex and there was always going to be a lot of people coming through and a lot of uh, lot of spirits and there'll be a lot of activity. So on that note, it didn't bother me, but it bothered the heck out of my ex-wife. She didn't like living there. And we spent a lot of time staying in hotels, even though I own this home, I would be in a hotel at night because she wouldn't stay in the house. So I said, well, there's, this is not going to work out. Something's got to, something's got to have to happen here. So I'd only spent 51 days a year in the house because I was always on the road. I had spent the money on the roof. I re-roofed it, did the electrical work, did the HVAC, and all the things that needed to be done to make it livable and sellable. And then my wife and I uh, separated, went our separate ways. So I decided to sell the house to someone that was going to continue the restoration and finish it off. But that was the history of the house and how it came to be. And Elizabeth Wardell was the resident ghost and her dad was murdered. Uh, he was a coal baron, built this beautiful home, spared no expense. It was like the best, nicest house in town. He then built sister houses for his other kids when they got married. So there was a big history of the Wardell mansion, the Wardell money. And he, he was killed during a labor dispute. And she took over the house 
and she married a guy named Ruby. And that's how my little sister knew her as a kid. She knew her as Miss Ruby, not Miss, not Elizabeth or not Miss Wardell. That's how the, that's the story in a nutshell. So you're, did she come to your sister and say, like, tell her my name is Miss Ruby? Yes. She's, that's how Michelle knew her as Miss Ruby. You can call me Miss Ruby. And Michelle had many, many conversations with her. Now, you got to remember, my sister was only about eight to nine years old at this time. But the woman always was seen at the stairway where she would, like, host parties. She was always in, a, like, a white frock with her long hair braided like she was getting ready for bed. She was always very calming. She was, Michelle never felt threatened by her. But when I, was, when I got married, when Michelle came back for my uh, wedding, she stayed in the adjacent room that um, I guess grandma used to stay in. And I turn off my phone at night, but the next morning, Michelle goes, why didn't you answer your phone? I go, what? I turned my phone off. She goes, I, I couldn't get out of bed. And she had texted me that, please get in here. There's a horrible, horrible entity in this room. And I'm scared to death. And Michelle was never scared of ghosts. But apparently we had picked up a very bad um, hitchhiking, you know, a hitchhiker that was hanging around causing problems that I had to have removed by my medium, Vicky Maine. So you, why do you think the ghosts don't visit you? <laughs> I don't know. Good question. I was living in this house by myself a lot. And I would walk around at night and I'd say, hey, guys, out here, or anytime, you know, whatever you want to do, let, me, let it be known. And nothing. Zilch. You would think they would be comfortable around you. Maybe they just think I, that they couldn't scare you because you've I told seen them I'm scary here for the, stuff. I, I, I'm here to save the house. Uh, you're welcome to stay. Uh, I know you're there. Uh, maybe you remember me as a kid back when I was visiting my grandma. You know, I don't know. I, I, I would walk around the house by myself talking to myself and to the ghost and nothing ever happened. What was so that video that you showed me where you can see somebody walking? Yeah. I mean, that was I've seen a lot of ghost videos. That was a good one. What was that was? That was my security camera that we mounted. We had put two cameras in, one in the kitchen and then one in the shooting at the front door from the base of the stairway, the main stairway. We have a butler stairway as well. And that was basically a three in the morning, uh, pitch black, infrared camera activated uh, from movement uh, from a ghost that stepped across. You can see the first entity goes in front of the lens and walks away from it. And then as it becomes uh as it moves a few feet from the lens you see it shooting at the front door and that's where you see the little i think it was a kid ghost a very small ghost goes shuffling by uh, off to the side now that now those are just the, that that one's one but i also have another one of a of a blue blinking entity that's that peeks out from the side of the wall and his face looks a lot like the uh the actor that was in the um Plan Nine from Outer Space. Oh God, the bald headed Tor Johnson. Tor, Tor, yeah. Who looks a lot like Tor's, and I got a picture of him, and looks a lot like him. Man, it was oh scary as hell. That's amazing. Wait, so you said that you sold the house? Yes, I sold the house a few years ago. Did you tell the people that it was haunted when you sold it? No. <laughs> I wanted to sell it. And I uh, yeah, no, I know. I don't blame you. I told them, I said, look, it, to, the, to the realtor, I said, if, it's, if they ask, tell them the truth. But if they don't ask, I'm not telling them. It's like a no tell. You know, I just said, look, it, if they did their research, anybody that, that did any research on this house, it's got a history of ghost activity. So uh, I never really spoke to the buyer personally. I, I, I went directly to the realtor. The realtor found them. I don't know what the realtor told them or not, and it, it wasn't a deal breaker if they had to, if they was going to tell them, fine. I don't even know if they may have known or they may not have known. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand because, you know, for some people, that's that's a selling point. For some people, that's a big deal. A lot of people don't care. Like, I'm so used to talking to people about ghosts that I think about this constantly, but a lot of people don't believe in that. They don't really, like, they would probably figure out a way to deny it anyway, you know, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not it's not that big of a deal, I don't think. No, it wasn't. I, I would have, I, I didn't have a problem with it. Literally, I asked my realtor, she says, if they ask, they ask, if they don't, they don't. I go, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm okay. Yeah. So the do big you, thing is, I, the big thing is I had to be honest about it. So the, I, it wasn't a matter of somebody got murdered in the house 
or there was like horrible, you know, entities running around. So I just said myself, I told the realtor, I go, what do you want to do with it? And she says, it's for sale. They ask, I'll tell them the truth. Whatever they want to ask, I will answer the question. And if they don't ask questions, I'm not going to, you know, share stuff that they don't, they don't ask. And I was comfortable. And if it's a big concern for somebody, uh, if you're going to buy an old house, you would probably ask, you know? Yeah, I absolutely would. (laughs) So you've never personally seen a ghost or experienced a ghost? No. That's so interesting. But but it's funny, I've been around so many, I used to have a show called Macabre Theater, well, it's still on the air, but I used to do the ghost thing, and what I would do with for Macabre Theater, I would go out with this woman named Bonnie Vent, who was out of San Diego with Paranormal, and we would go to Villa Montezuma, we'd go to the Whaley House, we'd go to the Queen Mary, the Roosevelt Hotel, all these high-profile haunted um, addresses and locations, and she kind of explained to me that you know, this is how it works. And this, I'm kind of like a radio transmitter from the other side and people contact me and then I try to put them in touch with stuff. So apparently a lot of people were reaching out to me, but I guess I'm not a, I guess I'm not wired uh, to receive their signals for some reason. Well, a lot of people would say you can make the decision to be open to it. And I don't know if that's true or not, but would you say that you are? I tried. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do believe in them. Yes. Uh, I also, you know, the, there's just been so many, so much activity and there's so many, like they, they say, like, if you ever like out of the corner of your eye, if you ever look over and there's nothing there, then there, you could have sworn there was something there. That's usually a ghost. You know, that's usually somebody that was there that they're just a little faster than you are as far as picking up on them. But, um, and then I've seen all kinds of them when I take pictures and I'm doing my videos I see the orbs on my on my screen, but I haven't seen one without a device helping. Right. Well, that's the spooky thing is like, yeah, they could be there the whole time. It's just when yeah. you take a picture, you see them. Exactly. <laughs> that's so interesting that you went to all those places and nothing happened. But the funny thing about that is like all those places that you named, I've also been to and also have not had anything <laughs> paranormal happen. Well, yeah. Let me tell you the story. You've been to Villa Montezuma? I've never been inside, but I love that place. And not enough people know about that place, but I've talked about it a bit on this podcast. Villa Montezuma, the story behind Jesse Shepard. This is amazing. It's amazing. Uh, Bonnie Bonnie Vent, who we went down to do the Villa Montezuma thing. Now, this is when I'm just getting ready to stop drinking and partying. You know, I'm I'm, I'm getting, I I dropped the rock and I'm deciding that I'm going to go the rest of my life without the party mode. So what do I do? I get a letter that was supposedly written by Jesse Shepard to me, to be delivered to me, and my job, he is requesting me, and it was handed to me by Body Vent through her connections on the other side, and he was asking me to please bring down celebrities and friends and make Villa Montezuma the house that it was designed to be. It was, it was built and designed to be like a lightning rod for entities and, and paranormal activity. It was designed that way. And the house never achieved. I mean, he was over in Europe entertaining czars and kings and stuff. But the house that he built in San Diego never became the go-to place that he wanted it to be for paranormal activity. And he wanted me to help put it on the map by throwing parties down there with with celebrities. Can you believe that? Well, and I and from what I know about that place, I think it was also a place of of entertainment. And he would he was like a world renowned pianist, right? Or yeah. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and vocalist. And he died playing the piano. Yeah, and so he no, would have he, these like incredible parties, and yes. apparently people say that they can still hear uh, him play the piano. Yeah, he wanted, wanted it to continue, and he died. The story behind his death is he was having a party, and he was playing, and he we hit the last note, and he took a bow, and everybody thought he was taking a bow, and they were applauding, and they were applauding, and they were applauding, and he never came out of his bow. He was dead. So he sends you a letter. So what What did you do? I basically told Bonnie, I said, I'm not comfortable doing this. This is I'm getting ready to stop partying. I go, isn't it ironic that a, basically a guy from the other side, I'm trying to quit partying. And I have a guy from the other side encouraging me to continue. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. And not just anybody. Jesse Shepard at Villa Montezuma. I mean, that's world class stuff. 
That's really cool. And the pictures I've seen of him, he looks like a cool guy. <laughs> Very interesting place. Very interesting. But what about the Queen Mary? The Queen Mary Queen Mary and Whaley House. Living in Southern California, I've been to both of them a few times. And those are both yep. places that people are like, the most haunted place in the world. N- nonstop activity. And I've never had anything happen. Same with you? The only thing, the only thing I had happen in the Queen Mary was um, I felt that somebody had sh- pushed me. And shoved me a little bit, you know, and it was like, you know, the boat's moored, so it's not moving. And um, so it was was a feeling as if somebody had motioned you and pushed you side to side a little bit, like like as if the ship was at sea, Mm. uh, was about as much of it. But I'll tell you, there's another place called the Paramount Theater that is famous for being the place uh, next to Asbury Park, the convention center on the boardwalk. It had a, a look this one up, too, because it had a bad fire and a bunch of people burned up uh, in the theater, in the dressing room and the makeup area. And I had the keys to this place because I did a haunted attraction there for a month. And I used to go in the place in the middle of the night to just get away from people. And it was just so spooky and, and cool. But you could smell. Oh, my God. The smells of the death of the, of the burning. You wouldn't smell it when, you know, when you're when the place is open and there's other people around. But if you're by yourself, for some reason, that place was extremely uh, had a it had a memory for me of, of the smells of this burnt, burnt flesh from a fire. Oh, God. Where was that? Paramount Theater in Asbury Park. Oh, OK. I feel like I saw that on like a paranormal show or something. Um, yep. yep. It's oh. very famous for Springsteen doing his concerts at the convention hall. And it's on the boardwalk and Asbury Park. I lit the place up. We call it As Scary Park for Halloween. <laughs> what about at Universal Studios? Never had anything happen there? No. No. And I used to, it's funny too, because I used to, uh, when I had free time to go uh, mosey around by myself, I would go to the Phantom of the Opera stage. Yes, that's, climb. that's where they used to say was so haunted. I know. And I would climb, and I would climb the, the, uh, the ladders on the side and go all the way up to the fifth story catwalks and wander all around and go into the, the, uh, the boxes, the, 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 the opera theater boxes. That was my go-to place because it was such a cool, spooky, giant soundstage. Oh my God, that is so cool. What In those days, did people talk about that being haunted? Yes. yes yeah, because, you know, the story with that is that it's, it was, you know, from the Phantom of the Opera and it was still standing up until a couple of years ago. They, they took down the set, which I think yep. the, the soundstage was built around that set. And so it just remained there for years, this old theater. And they say that Lon Chaney haunted it. And they say that I believe an electrician fell from those rafters and uh, haunts it as well spooky it wouldn't surprise me it was a very it was a very it was very interesting as a kid to be able to go you know i always enjoyed going into big giant rooms and just being the only person in there anyway it's just kind of a interesting way of going about it but with that particular soundstage being able to go in there by myself and and just wander around and, and climb and do this and do that on you know on the untethered so to speak it was really neat um i was very i was very lucky to, to be able to go around studio interesting studio stuff alone and it, it is funny it's just like my, when i used to walk around my house which was built in 1875 in missouri in the middle of the night trying to get the ghost to come out i wondered about how many thousands and thousands of you know parties these people had and the, all the stuff that went on in this house over the last you know 150 years it was pretty crazy well, especially a place like Universal Studios, which has been there since 1915. Yep. It's like, can you just even imagine all of the people that have walked on that soil? And uh, you do, do you know about that, the famous ghost story from the day that Universal Studios opened? No. There was a plane crash. They were doing a big grand opening and they had this stunt uh, aerialist or whatever, uh, you know, he did i think he did wing some walk. kind of i'm sorry like a wing walker he did something i don't know what it was some kind of stunt with an okay. involving an airplane and it went horribly wrong and uh this man uh fell in front of a lot of people 
And uh, they say that he, people see a man dressed in, you know, the, the pilot, you know, 1950s kind of uh, uniform, just walking around the back lot. That's what they say. Over by, um, kind of by like where the uh, Bates Motel set is, is what I've heard. Wow. Spooky. It is spooky. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, um, you know, I mean, there's just... Now that I actually know that I had a lot of paranormal uh, teams come and spend the night in my house because they, they wanted to check out the activity. And I'd go, I'd say, okay, good night guys, lock the door when you leave because they would plan on leaving at, you know, two or three in the morning. And I'd go upstairs and I'd come down the next day and they're still there because they're getting so much activity that they couldn't leave. They go, this is just, there's so much active, active stuff going on in this house that we just kept the, uh, the, the tape rolling and the, and the, and the sensors going and, Okay, no problem. Do they ever capture EVPs or like ghost voices? Yeah. Well, okay, I do a little thing on here. Would you be uh, cool to do a little segment where I play ghost voices? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I've, heard the, I've heard the voice out of the Whaley house. Of, of Bonnie said, I think she's like one of the only people to actually record an actual voice out of there. I don't know. Maybe she was just bragging. but. Uh... <laughs> okay, it's time for... EVPs or EV please. I go to YouTube and I find EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, and then I have my guests guess what the voice is saying or what the paranormal investigator thinks that the voice is saying. It's kind of hard to do over Zoom, but we'll try our best. Um, Okay, these are both from Missouri. Uh, There's two of them here. This first one is from the Missouri State Penitentiary. Tell me if you hear anything or what you hear. It's there's a lot of background noise, but there's like a whisper. You what it's saying? No. I'll play it again. Any guesses? No, I don't. (laughs) Here, I'll give you some options. It's one of these. Is it A, dumb cat? B, stop that. C, it's all good. Or D, just nothing. Here, I'll play it again. Nothing. (laughs) They believe it says stop that, which I can kind of hear. Okay, knowing that, let's hear it again. I can kind of hear. Say, it. Yeah, I'll go with that. Okay. Okay. Here's one more. This one's from Right Paranormal Group on YouTube, and it's at the Quitman Cemetery in Nottoway County, Missouri. And um, tell me what you hear here. It's kind of a whisper. Yeah. Do it again. What are my options? Okay. Is it A, yep, yep, B, shut up, C, mom, you're up, or D, I'm so, so cute? Okay, I'm going to play it again. Mom, you're up. Mom, you're up. That's what they think. Yeah, they said they think it says, mom, you're up. Um, here, I'll play it again. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that's. I think it's mom, you're up. <laughs> I guess. Um, well, I guess that's about it. Thank you so much for doing this. Can you, um, you know, tell people where to find you and uh, if you have any appearances coming up or anything? This is pretty. T- everybody get a pen and a paper. And this is, <laughs> this is going to be tough. You're going to need to write this down. You can find me at Munsters.com. <laughs> that was easy enough. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> and are you doing, um, you know, appearances and, and uh, meet and greets and stuff? Munsters.com. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yes. I know. To answer your question, yes, I am. I'm going to be doing the movies and the magic and the meet and greets. And it's all, if you go to Munsters.com, you'll see my schedule and, and all my appearances. I love it. Well, I so appreciate you doing this. This is so kind of you. And um, I hope you have a great trip and uh, keep in touch. Thank you so much. You take care. Okay, so I did indeed go to monsters.com. And uh, you should as well. There's a lot of great stuff on there if you're a Monsters fan. And um, some of these upcoming events happening. An event called Horrorville, which is a horror pop-up shop 
which is happening in Southgate, California on the 15th. Butch will be there. Oh, and the 16th. That's exciting. Butch will also be on the on the 21st. He is at the Music City Toys and Collectibles event, which is in Watertown, Tennessee. Oh my gosh, he's everywhere. On the 22nd, there's something called Bo's Extravaganza, which is in someplace. Oh my gosh, there's so many things. He is all over the place. Days of the Dead Indianapolis. This looks like fun. That's in July. Um, Yeah, so look at Butch. Out there, meeting the people, making the fans happy, giving them what they want. Oh, and in August, he's going to be at the Michigan Paranormal Convention. Fun. Oh, what a cool person. So again, thank you to Butch for coming on the show. And yeah, we always have a little bit extra on Patreon. Um, so patreon.com slash Ross You can also see that video of me in Pasadena, California at some spooky places. And anyway, as I told you at the top of the show, I wanted to talk about a little bit of history that we mentioned in this episode. So the one place, the first place I wanted to talk about is the Villa Montezuma, which conveniently I also went to the exterior of in a Patreon video a couple months back. It's in San Diego. It is a place I've absolutely fallen in love with because I did spend a good chunk of my (laughs) pandemic not far from there. So I would spend time just just looking at it. It's just such an amazing building. Google image it right now. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's a Queen Anne style, I guess, mansion. And um, I mean, it's not like gigantic, but it's just like, it's like a little funky, cool castle. I mean, we're talking like gargoyles and stained glass and it's just like so extravagant and cool. And yeah, there's this guy named Jesse Shepard and he lived there. The house was built in, in 1887. Um, and he was a British musician and singer and spiritualist and he performed all over the world and the czar of Russia's personal medium taught him uh, seances and so he began doing that and he would claim to channel spirits when he was doing his musical performances and people allegedly when he would perform they would say it sounded like a full orchestra was coming out of only his mouth and piano which I don't know how he did that, but that's pretty amazing. And then he ended up in San Diego after the first spiritual society began there. He didn't live there for a super long time, and he died in 1927, literally while he was doing a concert. And so I guess the the haunted history is that he haunts it. P.S. You should Google image what he looks like, too. He was like, he had some style, honey. And he apparently haunts it. You can hear piano music playing in the middle of the night, allegedly. And another man who's believed to be his butler um, apparently also died there. And people see his body in the front of the window peering out at night. And there's a stained glass window that has a man with a beard and people believe that it's turning more gray that the beard turns more gray as time goes on i love it i love everything about it it's just so it's like whimsical haunted like so haunted mansion at disneyland it's very that i feel and then also there's this corner of the yard where apparently plants just like refuse to grow and gardeners don't understand what's going on. And the plants are like, no, <laughs> we're just not going to do it. Sorry. And um, so that's that might be a paranormal thing as well. And when it's not COVID time, the historical society, that they've restored it. And um, it is open for tours quarterly. And um, I was supposed to go right before 
COVID, but then COVID happened. Or I think it was supposed to go like in May or something like that or March. I can't remember when, but then COVID happened and then I didn't get to go. But maybe one day I'll get to go inside. And if you're ever in San Diego, you should totally check it out or at least like look it up on the internet or on my Patreon, whatever you want, um, and just see what it looks like because it's so cool. And then the other place that we talked about is, uh, did my voice just crack? It's very possible. You can tell my voice is a little weak. But um, another place we talked about was the Paramount Theater in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Now, I did look it up and I was like, yes, that's where I saw it. Kindred Spirits, one of my faves, they went there. And that place is amazing. You know I love an old theater and particularly a haunted old theater. And this place has an insane history. There's this famous story of this ocean liner that caught fire and ran aground in 1934, just like a, a few yards outside of the theater, which the theater is like connected to an arcade and convention center, I believe. Um, it's all kind of connected. And this shipwreck happened um, yards away from there. And 130 people, both crew and passengers, died. And they actually used the theater as like a makeshift morgue uh, after that disaster. And then in the 50s, there was a fire and these two girls died. And um, so maybe that's what Butch was referencing. Maybe one of those things that were horrific fire uh, accidents. Um, Also in the 60s, a projectionist died there. And so like, there's just so much activity apparently that goes on there everything you want to have to, to happen in a haunted place like odd noises and lights flickering and apparitions and shadows and all that stuff. and apparently you know the smell of of fire as well according to butch so very spooky place and uh, check out that episode of kindred spirits because i love that show so much Anyway, okay, I think that's about enough out of me for today. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. Next week, I am so excited. I got to talk to the haunted historian. His name is Connor Gossel. You might follow that Instagram page. It's a very popular Insta page. It is uh, the haunted historian. And (sighs) Connor is a paranormal investigator and he's a historian and he gives me some of the scariest stories I have heard on this show and you can look forward to that next week so make sure you're subscribed as always please rate the show five stars and um as always patreon.com slash Ross Dress for Less for a little more and join the Facebook group, Ghosted by Roz at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram at Roz Hernandez. If you'd like to be on a listener episode, please send me an email at ghostedbyroz at gmail.com with the subject line, listener episode. I think that's it. I think I did it. <sighs> I love you all, both living and dead. But if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye! A podcast network.